Brought to you by iLand. This is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panelists of impin- Ah, see there, I messed up already. Brought to you by iLand. This is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with availability in the cloud. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm a cloud technologist for iLand and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes some phenomenal cloud expertise. Let's start by having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about availability in the cloud. Hi, I'm Puma Schmidt. I am a cloud advocate at Microsoft. And my role here is to be an advocate for our customers, but also our product group as well. So we're sort of like that middle person in between that helps make our products better for both our product engineers in the group and our customers, taking both the feedback and um, putting them together. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation we're going to have about availability in the cloud and customer concerns, because there's always been this myth that when you put it in the cloud, everything is taken care of for you. And that myth is usually bursted pretty quick. And I always like to stress to people, regardless of where your data is, it's your data. You are responsible for it. So you must continue to ensure that you're doing everything you can to protect your data and to ensure the availability of your data. Hi, my name is Matt Lieb. I am an analyst specifically focusing on unstructured data. That's a file and object and all of its ramifications within the data center, within the cloud, replication, et cetera, over at IDC. Uh, I come uh, with years of both engineering and pre-sales and, um, you know, finally getting to use some of my writing. I think this topic is particularly relevant. The whole idea of cloud as a set it and forget it sort of scenario, let's face it, it's computers, it's hardware, it's management, and mistakes are made. So it's important to, uh, and this is something I stressed in all of my cloud conversations and pre-sales, let's plan for failure. So this is Jason Shiplett. I'm a uh, Staff 2 Solutions Architect at VMware. I work currently doing VMware validated designs on Cloud Foundation, Mostly focused on modern applications, so cloud native, Kubernetes, that kind of stuff. Why am I excited about this topic? Availability is a concern for everybody, no matter if your infrastructure is on-prem, in the cloud, wherever. Failures happen. It's something that everyone has to plan for, and not enough people actually do. So it's a fun topic to discuss with most everybody. Thank you all for joining me. These days, cloud platforms are generally seen as providing better service availability than most of us could provide on-premises. However, in the surveying I've done with multiple VMware user groups, there are still concerns. And 
you know, these concerns are absolutely valid when you consider significant outages that have been experienced by several of the largest cloud providers in just the last year as we record this. Having someone else manage the physical layers means you may not have the visibility to truly understand what availability your applications will have. And that's because different cloud providers address availability differently, sometimes drastically so. Pumala, in your experience, what do customers need to know about what it takes to maintain availability in native hyperscaler clouds versus the more traditional VMware-based environments? When you talk about the cloud, customers really need to understand the shared responsibility model, meaning that there are a certain set of responsibilities that your provider is going to be responsible for, and then there are a certain set of responsibilities that you as a customer will be responsible for in order to maintain the integrity and safety of your data. For instance, as Microsoft, we're gonna provide you with all the tools and services that enable you to protect and provide availability across different regions and zones. But it is your responsibility as the customer to enable those services and features and to determine, okay, do I need to enable this? Do my business requirements require me to back up the data, right? Even though I'm in the cloud, do I still need to back this up? What does your policy state? All these things come into play and it's not a one-stop shop. You know, it's not just here, Azure or AWS or GCP here. You take my information and you guys do whatever, you know, you need to do to it and, you know, do your thing, right? We're in the cloud. Everybody's happy. Nope. It is, here's everything that we got, here's everything that you can choose from, and what is the best approach for you to operate your business in when it comes to using our services and features? So I would agree, Kumla, the terms and conditions of any contract with any provider are gonna tell you what their responsibility is. And knowing that you work for Microsoft, for example, your data integrity is tied in quite heavily to how rigid that backup policy is written. And Microsoft does provide a certain level of restoration capacity, but not deeply, not fully into the, particularly on the SaaS model. So knowing that you might have difficulty restoring at least aged data out of Office in the cloud, it's important to know that you do need to back that data up. Same thing with uh, SAP. Same thing with Salesforce, etc. So that's the first thing you got to look at. If an outage occurs, what is my restoration capability? It's ultimately down to, it's your data. You're the owner of that data. What would you do regardless of the location where the application resides in, right? If it's on-premises, what are you going to do if it's on-premises? What's your process for, you know, securing and controlling that data? So you, all you would have to do when you go to the cloud is, okay, we are going to have to modify it because it's not physically located in our data center, but we're still responsible for those zeros and ones. So how do we use the tools and those services available to us to ensure that we can still protect that data? If we think about the data itself, I think everything just kind of falls into place. But if we're looking at it as, oh, well, well this isn't my location. You guys run that infrastructure. I don't. We start siloing and isolating, and it becomes really gray rather than black and white where, okay, it's just about the data. 
Because really it is. Do you guys really care if a rack goes down in Azure? No. Because if we're providing high availability, making sure that there, you know, from a redundancy standpoint, there's no outage that way. It really doesn't matter. But if you are already planning for a failure or some type of redundancy outside of that infrastructure, it shouldn't matter what's happening behind the scenes to you. In my explanation, that makes sense because it'd be the same way on premises. If you've got customers using your VMware environment, you know, let's say you have a shared services environment and you have customers using it and you've got, you know, some replication going on between the different clusters. If something happens and you vMotion over that customer of yours, that department that runs that application, as long as they're working, they don't really care if you just took a host down for an update because it's really not impacting them. They're just worried about that data and how that application is working. Wouldn't you say? And I think there's an important point that was made there around recoverability as an aspect of availability as a metric. And it's when you split across, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, on-prem vSphere versus, you know, using Azure in the cloud or, or whatever. When you start making that kind of separation, the bifurcation of your tool set becomes a problem for almost every single customer. You know, you, you talk about the way that customers have been, you know, backing things up and restoring them, all of the different aspects of recovery of data and services due to an outage, you know, that changes when you're talking about using either public cloud or, you know, an AZ or something in a private cloud somewhere else. You know, the tool set changes and the skill set changes, at least to a certain degree. So that's something that you know, you have to research. And this is something that was brought up earlier. You know, you're, as a customer, you have to be your own biggest proponent, your own biggest advocate. Because once cloud companies, you know, the providers take your money, if you don't tell them that something's wrong, if you don't tell them that you need whatever service, if you don't say, hey, I'm, I have this data up here and I need to be able to get it back. Can you help me plan for that? Then you're just kind of on your own. Yeah. And that's important. I like that point about, you know, researching what you're doing, what you're going to get into, and then don't lay off the gas just because you're onboarded at that point. You know, you should be partnering with your cloud provider and, and having kind of a two-way street conversation there. So you should be providing them information as much as they provide you. And as I mentioned before, you know, when we're not managing those lower levels of the stack, you know, customers are limited in their ability to address or determine the number of nines of availability for a single workload. And we focus on that a lot when building on-premises infrastructures. Jason, I'm curious if you can speak a bit about how customers should evaluate the availability of different cloud platforms and how concerned they should be with, you know, maybe they're losing a nine or two because one cloud provider doesn't do it quite the same way that another one might do it. I think the the most important thing to evaluate there is really your own needs as a customer. You know, I might have a directive from, you know, a CIO or, or whomever to say, you know, we have to have service that meets, you know, five nines or four nines. But when you get down to kind of the brass tacks of what your needs are as an organization, you know, it's, is it okay if I go from, you know, five minutes of downtime a year to, 
30 minutes or a few hours or, you know, it's always dictated by business requirements. And there are so many customers up and down the spectrum from commercial through large enterprise who do a really not great job of doing that first set of requirements gathering so that when they do go to the public cloud providers and say, Hey, I need this level of availability. And it's sometimes hard to come to an understanding as to where you're actually going to land. The other bit of it is being able to take what information the cloud providers give you around availability and the capabilities that they offer, whether that's multi-region, multi-AZ, and designing the way that you lay your data and your applications out across those different constructs in such a way that you meet your requirements for uptime and for the recoverability and serviceability and all the stuff that goes into that. It's really easy to put workloads into the cloud. It's really hard to do it right. And it's really hard to do it in a way that you meet those kind of foundational requirements. So that's where leveraging the services of the cloud provider, leveraging partners in the ecosystem can really kind of take the questions out of that deployment. And let's face it, it's a caveat emptor situation. If you don't ask the right questions of your consultancy or that consultancy doesn't offer the full complement of concerns, then the research isn't being done. And the mistake that's made is not by the cloud provider who hasn't necessarily done what you hope they do, but by you who hasn't done their due diligence. And it, it gets complicated even further when you take Kubernetes and other container platforms into the equation, let's face it, it's serverless. And the idea of serverless is that you should be able to move that workload to whatever cloud provider supports your orchestration layer. But again, we're talking about data and the replication of a server load is quite easy, but the replication of the data that's associated with that server load can be really complex. And it's important to understand, again, what all these parameters signify to you as a customer before you go ahead and say, well, all right, I'm just gonna throw it up there. So I would agree with you, Jason, it's, it's critical. Yeah, there's always the first conversation that you have upfront where the customer says, do we really need $100,000, $200,000 worth of professional services to put this design together. And do you want to spend $10 million fixing it when we're done? No, then yeah, let's do the legwork up front so we don't have to retread everything after something crashes and burns. I think oftentimes businesses try to save money on the budget somewhere. Where can we you know, save a few bucks here and there? And oftentimes, I've been on, on this end before. Hmm do we need all those consulting services? Maybe we can have our own team, you know, do some of it. So, so you cut some of that back on the pretense that, okay, we're going to upscale our team so they can handle this and, and do some of the work. But then they find out that, hmm, this is harder than it really is, or our team really just doesn't have the time to do this because they're juggling 50 other things. And it just becomes a hodgepodge of, the consultants trying to get the work done at the same time, you know, the local staff here is trying to get caught up and 
And we've all seen kind of what happens when you have a hodgepodge of work trying to get done. <laughs> Usually it doesn't come out the best. Somebody ends up losing at the end, right? Or someone ends up being upset that something didn't go right. What's the saying? Is it an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? Yes. Yep. Let the professionals do it and then put it in your contract that they will train your staff at the appropriate time, maybe after the project. And that, from my experience, that actually works out well because your staff can actually shadow the consultants. Let them do it, but they can shadow and see what's going on. But then they come back and then review everything and then train them. Excellent. So yeah, that's great advice. Being able to focus on doing it right the first time is absolutely key and critical when moving to the cloud. I've seen that many, many times. And you know, I'm going to pivot a little bit. And we've been talking about availability of cloud resources once they're in the cloud. But there's a lot more to what cloud can provide for availability than just the uptime of a given cloud platform. So Matt, can you quick give customers an idea of how they could use the cloud to assist with protecting on-premises data to make it more available? Well, sure. There's a whole ecosystem of S3 buckets out there. I think there's probably 40-some providers right now that are simply allowing you to rent space within their cloud-based storage as a target for your backups. So that's one of the key locations and, and probably the first step for any organizations move to the cloud in their quote-unquote journey to the cloud to store their secondary, at least secondary, sometimes primary, sometimes tertiary data store for their replicated backup data. You know, the days of backing up to tape, while many organizations are still using it, are really pretty much behind us right now because of RPO and RTO sort of timeframes. And certainly having a fully fleshed out BIA report done at a time gives you an idea of what these RPO and RTO parameters are going to be. But I definitely believe that in a continuity sort of basis, when you want to replicate your data somewhere, making that correct decision, you know, we've all heard stories about somebody trying to go to a Dropbox or a Mosey to restore their pictures and having that fail. Well, well, the truth is, what are the cloud provider's responsibilities? And again, I have to say caveat emptor. I'll take it a step further, by the way. You know, Pumla, you said, understand your contract. I think it's valuable, not just from the customer's side, but also from the consultancy side to have a very clearly laid out set of responsibilities at completion of project. Turning the keys over, which should provide training as well on any of these solutions is mission critical. But let's talk about some of the other stuff, right? What are the responsibilities of the given choices made by where that data is gonna reside? The vendor has certain responsibilities, the customer has certain responsibilities, and so does the consultancy. And forgive the expression, but you got to cover your butt. As the buyer, you need to make sure your needs are covered. And that requires a bit of research before you talk to the consultancy or take it on yourself. You need the TOC all validated. You need to talk to the provider and, and make sure that they are not misstating 
their responsibilities. And you know, I think it's also valuable to talk to other customers of that provider and see how they've dealt with, with any sort of right or left turn that, that was unexpected. But surely, backing up the data is only one thing. You know, this goes back to the ancient days of when we first started backing up our data. You've got to do test restores. You've got to see how this works. We go back to that same statement. It's measure twice, cut once. Don't jump into a solution provider's solution just because they say it. Test it. And test it regularly. And if it doesn't meet your requirements, change. Because, uh, you know, that failure is going to happen at some point. It's just the nature of the business. And if you don't test, then you are the one who has failed to complete your due diligence. There were a couple of acronyms there. I'm sure most of us are are familiar with, but BIA, RTO, and RPO? Okay, so a BIA is a business industry analysis. It's all about what your business needs in terms of continuity. If you say, for example, I have this on-premises database and it needs to be restorable to within five minutes. Well, that's your recovery time objective. And it needs to be recoverable at 100% within those five minutes. That's the recovery point objective. And it's important to understand what these variables are and what they mean to your business. Years ago, I worked for a REITs, a residential investment corporation. And their exchange server policy, and this was back when Exchange was only, I believe it was uh, 5.0 or 5.5 days. And they brought a policy in, we did as IT people, brought a policy to senior management that said, this is how much it'll cost us to create a fully fleshed out recovery policy for our exchange servers. And he said, you know what? Let's extend it to six hours. We can last six hours without email which, you know, I don't think anybody would choose today. But that was his financially generated decision-making process. And a lot of the time, when you say, I need recovery at zero time to a right now perspective, the cost factor involved in those recoveries is untenable. But it's much more doable today with some of the newer technologies out there. So the fully fleshed out, policies that we create for backup and recovery, as well as, you know, warm site, cold site, DR, they're far more robust than they used to be able to be due to our ability to restore basically from disk. Then the question is, do you want to have a cached recovery site within your own data center, secondary storage array, but highly available? Those are all sort of variables that could enter into this equation. Well, I think that's an important point right there, Matt, where you hit on an important topic that people need to consider is that you know, these DR plans, these backup plans are living documents and they constantly need to be changing, especially when new technologies like cloud are introduced and, and make available whole new possibilities and ways of being able to protect those on-premises data and improve the availability of that data. Yeah, completely agree. Well, and we're talking about two distinct things here. One is the availability and recoverability and restorability of data. The other is 
availability of systems. The former is it's almost a solved problem, at least for the most part. The latter is one that, especially as your systems become more and more complex, is less and less around, can we back this up and, and recover the data that it uses? And more, how do we know after we've recovered that it's fully recovered? How do we know that it's available? How do we know that it went down in the first place? How do we know how to flip from our on-prem to our DR in the cloud? So the ability to you know observe, to ingest data and make decisions about the availability of a system based on those metrics is something that is becoming more and more prevalent, but at the same time is becoming more and more important because our our systems, especially when we start talking about cloud native, modern applications are inherently more and more complex, especially as they go across those traditional computing silos of an availability zone or a region. That's a very valid point. These are considerations that the consultancies or the advocates to the customer need to stress to that customer so they understand the parameters. What I see, or when I was in pre-sales, I saw a lot of customers repatriating applications. And they were doing that because of things that they didn't even evaluate during the initial movement to cloud, right? Does it make sense to move that app to the cloud? And if so, nowadays, the question is where and how do we refactor that application so that it's now a Kubernetes-based architecture, or do we keep it in some level uh, within our VMware architecture and migrate that entire VMDK architecture up into a cloud provider's architecture. We need to do that. We need to understand what we're getting into before we do so, or we're buying problems for ourselves. And, you know, I'll take it a step further. Repatriating those applications can provide a whole different set of headaches that just aren't accounted for. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how much it costs to restore from S3 versus Amazon long-term cold storage? It's it's super cheap to get it up there. Yeah. Now let's talk about getting it back. Yeah. So you're talking about uh, egress charges. Yep. And that is a bugaboo. A lot of companies don't even realize quite how expensive it can be. They have to make those decisions at the right time also. Because if you just precipitously say, okay, that bill is too big. Well, you might still be paying rent on that storage obligation through the end of that year's contract. So you need to know what you're getting into. And again, that's a caveat to a situation as well. Cloud availability, it's so broad, but it's concise, right? Where do you begin in terms of trying to explain to people and customers that this is your data, you've got to protect it. And if you need the backup, just because the provider says, you don't need the backup anymore, enable these particular services for replication. Does that really fit your model or your business requirements? If you need the backup, backup, because you need to ensure the availability of your data and the resources. But then you also you need to restore those backups because, you know, we, we, we were talking about just because you back up, you know, 
Can you actually restore the data? Yes. Restore the data. See if that data actually works. Because just because you're backing up doesn't really do anything for you if you can't restore the data and if you can't validate what you've backed up is good data or not, or that you can actually recover your environment and you have business continuity. Because at the end of the day, it's all about business continuity. How do you ensure that your business is continuing to operate? Yeah. And I think that's a great note to end on. And to go back and quote you on something else you said at the very beginning is the data is still your responsibility. So even if it's in the cloud, you still have to be responsible for making sure that it's available, that it's secure. And all those things that we do on premises today doesn't completely go away. Now, that model may change, the shared responsibility model, but you want to make sure you're still getting those backups in there. And it's really on each of us as we look to move into the cloud to do that upfront work, to make sure we're getting into exactly what we need, to make sure we're giving the business what they want, what they need for that actual downtime they can afford to have and making sure that we spend the money in the right places. It's not going to be cheaper every time you move to the cloud. It may actually be a little bit more expensive, but you're getting a lot more value along with it. So you may need to look at consultants. You may need to look at different availability zones, multiple regions, even multiple cloud providers to properly address what availability needs your business needs. And you know, once you're in, it's not time to forget about things. You, know, you need to continue to advocate for yourself. I love that piece of advice that you, know, you got to continue to make sure that the cloud provider is providing what they promised. And whether that's through QBRs or looking at that bill every single month and making sure that it's metering the way that you expect it to and then calling them out if it's not, it's up to all of us to keep them accountable and, and answer for those things. So with that, let's finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Pumala, Jason, and Matt for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you find this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. So Jason, I, I do have to call you out for calling Matt out for using acronyms that you didn't define. Um, you used AZ a couple times. Of course I did. Did somebody already say availability zone though? Uh, it came up afterwards. <laughs>